The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is January 18th. We are talking about Aaron Rodgers, his comments to Pat McAfee. We're going to play a little bit of fact and fiction for 2023. We'll talk about how Drew Holiday is an all-star. And then we will do Bracketology, the first installment. We'll talk about where the experts have Marquette and Wisconsin. We will look not necessarily nitty-gritty yet. We're not there just yet. Just a couple, just a small sample, just a little taste, an appetizer, if you will, in the Bracketology. And then we will ride out today. So good show. Uh, reminder, you have Mitch tomorrow, Tapping the Keg, episode 493. I believe. Always good when Mitch and I take a week off and then we go. Uh, it just seems like we just miss each other and the vibes are immaculate. So make sure you're tuned in for that one. We'll be off on Friday and then back at it on Monday to recap everything that happened this weekend. We have Bucks Cavaliers. We have college basketball. I'm sure there'll be other stuff that comes hot off the wire. Who knows? With Packer season, I'll probably dip my toes in the NFL playoffs as well because it's, it's hard not to on that Monday. Just a reminder, we are on all the social media channels. You can follow us on Twitter, Tevin Keg, Tevin Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. We'd love to hang out with you, love to interact. Uh, make sure that you guys are in the mix. If you have any ideas, if you have any thoughts on the content we're putting out, make sure you're DMing us. Uh, the DMs are open across the board. We also are on Facebook. If you're still there hanging out uh, with Mark Zuckerberg, make sure you're rating and reviewing. Uh, subscribe to uh, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. All right. Now, let's get into the show. And Aaron Charles Rogers stepped into it today. Aaron Rodgers did not listen to me. I said on Monday's show, if you hadn't listened, go back and, and check it out. I said, hey, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and it comes to Green Bay Packers, let's just all take one giant step back. Let's just all sort of kind of do this reverse, if you will, and not necessarily talk about it until March, until we get more information, until the season ends. Because we're not going to solve anything. Nothing is going to happen in these next two months. While I still believe that to be true, Aaron Rodgers said Leroy Jenkins and pushed his ass right through all of the shit. And Rodgers' watch is now officially on. Aaron Rodgers met with Pat McAfee, one of his last shows, one of the last installments of Tuesdays with Aaron. And Aaron Rodgers basically laid out the case that, yeah, Maybe he's back with the Packers. Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe he doesn't feel wanted by Green Bay and wants to play somewhere else. After earlier this year in June of 2022, saying that he would retire as a Green Bay Packer and he was very confident in that. So he completely contradicted himself in a matter of six months and sounds a lot different. This Aaron Rodgers does not seem like the same Aaron Rodgers that we basically saw all season. The zen, relaxed Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't seem to be there anymore. Aaron Rodgers sounded frustrated to me. He sounded motivated to me. There was a dash of ready to move on. I had a couple buddies who felt like he sounded ready to, ready to kind of do something else. I don't know if I feel that way. Cheesehead TV put an awesome clip together where basically Rodgers and Favre are basically are having the exact same moment right now, except it is 
15 years later. It's crazy that we are at this point, but here we are. Looking at the McAfee conversation, I do want to break it apart a little bit. I do want to talk about sort of what is fact and what is fiction, not necessarily misinformation, if you will, but like what's the, what are some things that Roger said or Roger talked about or what people will be discussing on today's programs, whether it is nationally on a first take level or something like Nine to Noon or Wilde and Tausch, who do great work in the local sports markets. Because this is this is going to be a topic, and this is going to be a topic for uh, until there is a decision on Aaron Rodgers. But let's start with number one. Aaron Rodgers knows what a rebuild is. That is fiction. Aaron Rodgers said to McAfee that he did not want to be a part of a rebuild. Aaron Rodgers does not understand what rebuilds mean. Green Bay Packers are not going to rebuild their roster. If they were going to do any sort of rebuilding or quote-unquote tweaking, they would maybe get rid of some of Aaron Rodgers' friends. And Aaron Rodgers, for him, that means a rebuild. That is not the case. That does not mean this team is going to suddenly get worse because Mercedes Lewis isn't here, because Robert Tunyon isn't here, because Randall Cobb is, in a, no, is no longer a Packer, because Alan Lazard is not on this roster. Like, none of that will make the Packers worse. It could. There's a potential consequence there, but that doesn't mean that it's a rebuild. It doesn't mean that those spots on the roster will suddenly go to rookies. They're not going to just fill them in with rookies. I do think that the tight end position will have some rookies involved, because it is a very, very good tight end draft. A guy like Dalton Kincaid in the second round would be perfect for the Green Bay Packers and fill a desperate need for them. And I think he would be a guy that Aaron Rodgers would like to play with. But this is not a rebuild by any shape of the imagination. Green Bay wants to contend next year. Yes, if Jordan loves that quarterback, you have to reset the Super Bowl expectations at least in year one. You have to make sure that you do not put pie-in-the-sky expectations for love at quarterback. You have to at least maybe say, okay, yeah, win the division, maybe win a playoff game. That's kind of the position you're in, especially if their Packers are able to deal first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers and they have the ability to basically play with house money knowing there might be a high draft pick if things go to shit like we've seen with Denver, like we've seen with Los Angeles, like we've seen with New Orleans a little bit. I mean, New Orleans still, I mean, they gave up a first-round pick. It was not quarterback-related, but Philadelphia has a mid-level first-round pick because of New Orleans' incompetence. So could there be more incompetence on the way? We will just have to wait and see if Aaron Rodgers, in fact, gets dealt. But yes, this is not a rebuild. This is not what a rebuild is. Green Bay is not suddenly going to become the Houston Texans. And that was a very dense comment from Aaron Rodgers. And of course, Rodgers didn't get any pushback. And that is one of my bigger beefs with Pat McAfee. I think Pat McAfee is extremely talented. I think I look up to Pat McAfee, maybe not in the same way as I do um, Barstool Big Cat or uh, Ryan Rosillo, but I still admire a lot what Pat does. I wish Pat would have pushed on that though. I wish Pat would have said, wait, is uh, they're not like what? What do you? What sense do you get that the Packers are are ready to rebuild this roster? And that would be that would have been my question. And kind of force Rogers to say, "Well, I consider a rebuild if I have to rebuild relationships." That's what Rogers probably means. So let's go into number two. Aaron Rodgers wants to be Bill Belichick. 
fact. So you guys are like, Charlie, that's, that's weird, right? Do he wants to be one of the best coaches of all time, maybe the best coach of all time? No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is Bill Belichick has surrounded himself with people that he likes. He has insulated himself with people that are basically yes men, that are people that are his friends. He has Matt Patricia. He has Joe Judge. He has Gerard Mayo. He has his son, Steve. I think there might be even another son. Bill Belichick has built this silo of people that really aren't going to challenge him, that really aren't going to push him. Bill Belichick isn't out there hiring Joe Brady, right? He's not like Nick Saban, who's just hiring the next hot name or a guy who is on the scrap heap that Saban is ready to pick up. That has not been Belichick's philosophy for the last couple of years. And Bill has basically formed relationships that have, in fact, caused the team wins. And that's what happened with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. The Patriots had one of the best defenses in football, combined with one of the worst offenses in football. One of the biggest problems with the Green Bay Packers this season is they not play complimentary football. If they didn't play complimentary football, the New York Patriots defined not playing complimentary, complimentary football. And part of that falls on Bill Belichick for keeping all of these relationships instead of trying something new, instead of going out of his comfort zone and trying to bring in new voices and new people. Aaron Rodgers wanting to keep all his guys, as we just mentioned, Lewis, Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. That was an 89 football team. Those guys, besides Bakhtiari, who looked really good in the, in the latter part of the year, and I don't think you can make the case to get rid of David Bakhtiari, even in a cost-saving measure. I know that Bakhtiari's contract gets more expensive, but if things really go off the rails with, with Jordan Love, maybe Bakhtiari becomes a trade candidate. I don't know. But I, I don't think you're going to let David Bakhtiari walk. And if Bakhtiari, yes, will be frustrated that his buddy Aaron Rodgers is gone, but he's going to have to suck it up because he has a big fat contract. And I don't think that Green Bay is going to just trade away Rodgers and Bakhtiari. If it is a package deal, Packers are going to get an absolute haul that we might never have seen in NFL history. But I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to float that crazy. It's not the NBA, right? It's not, we're not, we don't have the trade machine rocking and rolling here for the NFL. You can really ask the question, does Aaron Rodgers want to get out of his comfort zone any longer? Like, does he have any interest in it? And it spits in the face of having Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And I understand that Rodgers has praised them. It's It almost uh, is a little bit on A.J. Dillon. I think Aaron Jones may be, may be included in that. I'm not sure. But Aaron Rodgers does not necessarily want to have new friends. No new friends for Aaron Rodgers in 2023. Now, how does that work if he gets traded to the Jets or he gets traded to the Buccaneers? Or he gets traded to the Raiders. Obviously, with the Raiders, it's Devontae Adams. And he will feel like he has one of his buddies there. And maybe they can convince the Raiders to sign Lewis or convince them to sign another one of Rodgers' sort of boys. But if Aaron Rodgers wants to have that much say in the roster after the year he had, that's indefensible to me. That's something that should not be allowed. I really do hope after there's more sort of take a step back, sort of realize what the season was, some stats in front of Rodgers about what, you know, sort of happened this year with guys like Cobb, Lazard, Lewis, Tunyon. And they say to Rodgers, like, hey, look, we're going to bring back Bakhtiari. We're going to bring back Tunyon. We really feel like there's some talent, you know, in the tight end position in the draft this year. And we're going to draft some guys 
that could help that, and that's why we're not bringing back Lewis. We're not bringing back Lazard because while Lazard had some moments, he's a really good blocking wide receiver. There's there were too many drops this year to uh, defend giving Lazard a MVS like contract, which would probably be three or thirty three million dollars. That's what I think Lazard is probably going to get in the open market, and I do not think he is worth that. And Aaron Rodgers might disagree. He might get mad. There was some talk that Randall Cobb might not play. Um, so there is that potential possibility that Cobb retires. Rodgers sort of leaked that out. I'm sure Cobb really appreciated it. But yeah, I, we can't do the Bel- Belichick shit. That's not going to happen because that affects Brian Gutekunst's legacy. That affects Mark Murphy's legacy. Also, don't sleep on this. I'm not a big Mark Murphy guy. I think Mark Murphy's a hawkster. I don't really trust Mark Murphy. And I think also he's similar to Mark Ananasio, might be a theme with Mark's, where he puts his foot in the mouth and makes us look stupid as an organization. And I say us because, yeah, I'm a shareholder, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> and Mark Murphy retires in 2025, all right? He has to retire. Uh, it's part of, like, the rules. He's at a certain age where he has to go. Mark Murphy wants it on a Super Bowl before he leaves. I guarantee that. And so he will not let Rodgers dictate this, this whole thing. Yes, Bakhtiari will probably come back and maybe Tonya, but that's it. And we do not let Aaron Rodgers become Bill Belichick. That cannot happen. They at least did him, did him a solid the last couple of years. They let him try to ride off in the sunset, and it didn't happen. And it did not work out. All right, let's continue with fact or fiction with Aaron Rodgers in 2023. Aaron Rodgers can still ball out. I have that as a fact. I think Aaron Rodgers' thumb injury really affected him. He had a rib injury. I think Aaron Rodgers played through a lot. I think Aaron Rodgers did not get the credit from the fan base for all that he played through. And that's something that annoys me. That's something that's going to bother me about the 2022 season because I really think the fans took Aaron Rodgers for granted. And I think five, ten years down the road, they're going to feel stupid. And that's okay. We I have so many moments of that with sports with life, with jobs, I mean, everything, right? we That's part of human nature where we go back and we have retrospect theater and we're like, holy shit, I fucked this up. I think a lot of people are going to feel that way about Aaron Rodgers and this season alone. Because I do think Rodgers is going to have a good year in 2023 if he decides to play. And I think he will be, all right? Let's let's do that really quick fact of fiction. Aaron Rodgers will play in 2023, fact, okay? Because Aaron Rodgers is not going out of pussy. He's not going to go out eight and nine, missing the playoffs. He's same with Tom Brady. Like it's the exact same conversation. Tom Brady is not going to go out this way. These guys are obsessed with trying to have the John Elway and go out on top. And it is so fucking hard to do. And they saw Drew Brees fall on his dick. They saw Big Ben fall on his dick. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Big Ben and Dick, you don't want to get, you got to be careful with those. But still, like you saw those guys do the exact same thing. And they do not care. They they do not want to leave peacefully. They are going to leave as disruptive as possible. So Rodgers going back to can he ball out? Yeah, I do think so. I do think that Aaron Rodgers can get back to the MVP level like he talked about. I, I truly do believe that. And it's going to, it's it might be with Packers. It might not be with Packers. I I think there is a good season left in Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if there's two good seasons left, but it would be, it would not be surprising if Rodgers had a Favre 2008 or 2009 year. People forget Favre was pretty good with the Jets. Favre was pretty close to getting them to the playoffs. 
They had some misfortune down the stretch that season. And then Favre with the Vikings was incredible and probably should have won the MVP that year. It was a Breeze that won the MVP. I can't remember. I was probably Breeze who won the MVP. Breeze was really good that year as well. But yeah, Favre was special in, in 2009. And I think there'd be something similar with Rodgers. And that's the risk you run if you decide to trade Rodgers in the NFC. But I don't think you should shy away from it. I really don't because he's only going to be here probably for two years, right? He torments the Packers for two years. Gonna have to live with that. That sucks. That's gonna be part of Jordan Love's legacy. And that's another conversation for another time when it in fact does happen. But I, I think there is worth the risk if the value is there from a trade perspective. Fact or fiction, Aaron Rodgers cares more about MVPs than Super Bowls. Really weird take from Pete Bukowski, who was basically like, could you imagine Tom Brady saying that he wanted to win more MVPs than Super Bowl? It was totally taken out of context because Rodgers was at answering a question from A.J. Hawk. Like, he basically was like, yeah, I still think I can get to that MVP level again. And I don't think that he, it's total fiction. I, I think he still wants to win Super Bowls, whether it's the Packers or somebody else. Rodgers' goal is to go out on top and win another Super Bowl and then leave. Rodgers just does not want to be part of that conversation of one Super Bowl. And if you think that it's partly due to Brett Favre, you are absolutely correct. That is another fact that you, we could note in this fact or fiction game. Last one. Aaron Rodgers will be a Packer in 2023. I am not giving a fact or fiction. So remember when I started and I said, hey, we still got to take that step back. We got we to sort of just wait and see what all happens. That's still the case. Okay. We still have to just take a step back. Nothing's going to be decided in the next two months. Aaron Rodgers is going to go on McAfee again next week. Be very interested to see if the tone changes, the demeanor changes, if Rodgers is like fake news media, bullshit, bullshit. We'll have to just sort of see what happens with him. And we'll see if he does other interviews. I think he's going to be involved with the Super Bowl. It's in Glenda. It's in Arizona. He's a West Coast guy. He he didn't do media last year for the Super Bowl. He hasn't done Super Bowl media in a long time. I think that was due to COVID. I think they were still kind of stringent about COVID last year. I would think that now that it's all systems go, I would imagine Aaron Rodgers might be in the mix, might do something like Dan Patrick, might do part of my take, might do, you know, Kevin Clark show, who he has a good relationship with. There, there could be a, a few examples of seeing Rodgers sort of omnipresent at the Super Bowl and sort of hanging over it a little bit. I could also see Brady doing the exact same thing. And you guys are like, you're crazy. But these guys' egos know no bounds. And they know they drive the views. They know they drive the attention. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the conversation all year. It's going to be the thing we talk about a lot. Um, more than we probably should. But it's not, it's not over tomorrow. It's not over next week. It's not over next month. We will continue to be on Rogers' watch as we head up to the wall in the north and try to defend it. And we will break through what makes sense, what doesn't, what's bullshit, what isn't. And we'll just have to see. But this is a bad start. Can't know if Sands are both about it. I know Rogers and McAfee are boys, but Rogers could have came out pretty stringent about, yeah, I'm unsure. Got a lot to talk about. Um, and not be demanding, not seem petulant, not seem frustrated, and and just sort of be a guy. And he wasn't. And that's disappointing and something we're going to have to live with. So we'll see what happens next week. 
and if we're doing this conversation all over again. Let's move on to something a little more happy. Uh, Drew Holiday was awesome again tonight uh, against Toronto. Bucks win 130 to 122. We will do Golden Kegs in a second. I will already tell you that Drew Holiday is an all-star. And I will already tell you that Drew Holiday is winning the three kegs for the second straight game. Uh, so we can get that out of the way right now. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about why Drew Holiday is an all-star. He deserves it more than anybody in the Eastern Conference. Um, I know there are a lot of good nominees. Maybe that's a little intense. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic. It probably is. But I think Drew Holiday should be on the East roster, and I don't think it should even be a question. Yes, Drew Holiday might not have the stats to back it up. And he's been great the last two nights, 35 points uh, on Monday, 37 tonight against Toronto. But the Bucs are second in a tough East because of Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. I know you're going to say, Charlie, what about Giannis Antetokounmpo? Great question. Yes, Giannis is a force. Giannis should be an all-star starter until basically he can't do it anymore. Giannis is going to always be a part of the all-star game. He is going to be a guy that year in, year out, we have Giannis either starting or on the bench, but it's going to be mostly starting. Yes, Giannis is the reason, number one, the Bucs are second in the East, but the other parts of it, are Holiday and Lopez holding it together while Chris Middleton is out with an injury. So I have to, that has to be acknowledged. And the Bucs had a brutal schedule as well in the month of December, and they had a ton of flu where Holiday missed some time. And I don't think he should be docked for that. Uh, if, if we're putting Jimmy Butler in the All-Star game and he's only played 27 games, then we damn sure can put Drew Holiday in this game as well, and he deserves it. So I look at what Holiday does from a scoring perspective, what he does from a defensive perspective. Tonight, he didn't really guard Van Vliet that much. They were doing a lot of switching. And then in the final, like, two minutes, three minutes of the game, he put the clamps on Van Vliet, and it was really solid. And that's what Drew Holiday can do every night. And sometimes he doesn't because he doesn't want to exert the energy defensively, which I fully understand and have a much better respect for after hearing P.J. Tucker talk about it in the Brooklyn series. But, yes. Drew Holiday does everything right. And there's a little bit of a Susan Lucci vibe to this nominee because Susan Lucci, for those who are unfamiliar or do not get that pop culture reference, it has been a while. Susan Lucci always would get nominated for daytime Emmys. She never would get them. She was a soap star, uh, very famous in the 90s. And then finally, she won an, a daytime Emmy, I think her 19th time. You guys will have to fact check me on that. But it was, so now you're always like, well, oh, Susan Lucci kind of honorary award. Like it almost at that point, they're like, oh, we, we have to give it to Susan Lucci. Drew Holiday has only been an all-star once, right? He deserves the credit. He deserves to get his flowers. I kind of hate that, that term, that phrase, but it's true. Like Drew Holiday has been so good and he's so well-respected around the NBA. He's also one of the best guys in the league, just an absolute just gem of a human being which doesn't really matter in All-Star games, but it's a guy that you'd want to promote on All-Star Weekend, that you'd want to talk about on All-Star Weekend as more eyeballs are on you, more casual fans are tuning in, more kids are watching these games, right? That that stuff should matter. I'm not a big fan of athletes being role models, but Drew Holiday has done everything to make himself a role model. But back to the performance on the court. Holiday show, has shown that he can not only carry the team, being the number one guy, which we saw the last two nights 
uh, carrying this team on its back against two near playoff teams in Indiana and Toronto. Number two, Holiday has hit multiple clutch shots this year. Like, he is a guy that has been very reliable in the last three minutes. His step backs have been gorgeous, uh, finding his way to the rim in certain situations. Also, maybe a key pass to a teammate. Like, Holiday has been really, really fucking good in that category. And I think that has to matter because the Bucks are succeeding right now. Bucks are second in the East. They have made it past Brooklyn again. And that's a, a very good accomplishment. It's hilarious how mad I was at the Bucs yesterday and the day before. And now we're talking about a, a second all-star period. And Brooke Lopez also should be involved in that conversation. I don't know if there's going to be enough there. There's a lot sort of in that backcourt. The other thing that Drew has going for him is there's not a ton of competition here. I mentioned Jimmy Butler, right? Tatum and Brown are probably not going to be starters, and Boston's going to freak out. They're going to go crazy. It's going to be really fucking annoying. But Brown and Tatum, there's just not spots for them, right? How do you replace Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and and Joel Embiid? Like, how how do you how do you do that? Like, you can't can't really defend Giannis, Durant, Embiid in the front court and say you could make a case maybe that Tatum has had a better year. Than Embiid, but that's a that's a real hard bait. Durant has been incredible, and the, the Nets sort of turnaround is partly due to Durant, or not? I shouldn't say partly; it is due to Durant. Like, yeah, that's Durant right there. So yes, Tatum and Brown are no brainers right there. But after that, it gets pretty light, right? Like Jimmy Butler, sure. I don't think Trey Young deserves any of it. You are at Demar Derozan, yeah, probably. Uh, even though the Bulls aren't very good, he's having a great year. Siakam has been incredible for Toronto. Again, though, Toronto's not having a really good year. So why should you reward that? You really shouldn't. You should give a guy like Holiday that spot. And there will be some Jalen Bronson stuff. And then again, it's similar to Boston. It's the New York media. They're going to push an agenda that Brunson belongs to be there, that he's the reason for the next turnaround. There's a lot of efficiency numbers that say, actually, it's Julius Randle. That's the guy that that makes it all tick, and he makes it go. And because Randall has bounced back from his weird pouty year that he had in 2021, he deserves to actually have that All Star spot over Brunson. I think Brunson and Randall will split the votes, and I think also that is how Holiday gets himself in there. So yes, Drew Holiday All Star all the way. Golden Kegs for Bucks Raptors again. Bucks one 130 to 122. If you aren't familiar with Golden Kegs, we best and worst from the Bucks game. Uh, three kegs being the best, one keg being the worst. Three kegs goes to Drew Holiday. We just discussed that. Uh, just an incredible game. 37 points, six, five assists, four rebounds. Uh, the Bucks were really good, and Holiday sort of took them from the start. Uh, they could have got run out of the gym at one point by Toronto. I never felt like Toronto really had what it took to do that. Because they they were dog tired. They had played so many minutes. Nick Nurse is basically Tom Thibodeau, uh, just a better looking version of him. Uh, it's crazy how many minutes that the Raptors do play, and that's very something to take advantage of if you are wagering on the NBA. That's Toronto. They don't have rest, man. That they're not a team that I would be focusing my my dollars towards. Two kegs goes to Grayson Allen. 
Grayson was really solid in the second half. He had 21 points in that second half. He finished with 25. Uh, it was, I believe, a season high for Allen. He was all over the floor. Uh, four, I think he had 14 or 18 in that third quarter. Uh, was really part of the turnaround for the Bucks yet again. After they had a really good first quarter, had a really shitty second quarter, and then turned it around with a pretty good second half altogether. Like I, I think that third quarter, though, was keyed by Holiday and Grayson Allen. And if this version of Grayson Allen is what the Bucks are going to get, they're they're good. Like this is this is exactly what they are hoping for with a, with Grayson Allen. And it seems like whatever funk that he was in, whether he was worried about getting traded, whether he was just trying to do too much. It seems like Grayson Allen is starting to sort of break out of it. He had 17 points in the game against Indiana. He had 25 in Toronto. I do think being at home helps. Like that's just something that we see time and time again that role players tend to play better when they're at home. And Grayson Allen is no different. One keg goes to the rebounding. It was gross tonight. There was no rebounding in sight. Part of the reason why Toronto stayed in this football or basketball game, not football game, uh, was because of the rebounding. The Bucks got dominated on the glass. Toronto pulled down 20, 20 offensive rebounds uh, to the Bucks six. That is where you do, do not see the Giannis effect. I think that's also some of the issues you have with Brooke Lopez, who's not really a rebounder, not a guy you expect to get rebounds. Bobby Portis, while he does well cleaning the gas, Sometimes Bobby is so focused on getting a rebound and getting another double-double, which is all Bobby seems to be concerned about. Uh, 0 for 4 again from beyond the arc, by the way. And he, he like, clashes into guys instead of letting some other dude on the team get the fucking rebound. It drives me crazy. It's ha it happens way too often, and I'm worried it's going to happen in a playoff game. Like, that's, those are one of those things where you keep seeing it happen, and you're like, okay, I, I'll wait for the game where this actually costs the bucks and, like, the – Two minutes left, and some guy hits a shot because Bobby's clashing into another teammate for a fucking rebound because he just needs to fill his stats. But anyways, here and are there. Um, yes, rebounding was an issue. Um, hopefully, it's just the team you play, right? Uh, that Raptors team is very good on the glass. They have a lot of size. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes was pulled down 13 rebounds in this game, six of them offensive, Precious Ochua had five offensive rebounds off the bench. Boucher had three off the bench. Uh, Siakam had three himself. Like, yeah, it was, I mean, they, it was not good. Uh, it was part of the reason why Toronto was able to keep themselves in this basketball game. Other one keg is the refs. Uh, Brooke Lopez got ejected from the game for basically pulling Gary Trent's headband off. And I think he, the swing on OGN and Obi, I don't really think he swung at him. I think he was kind of flailing a little bit. But the refs saw it as a swing. Uh, Brook Lopez got kicked out of the game. Uh, he was great after. Just delivered an all-time response to the noise around around what had happened. Uh, it was very good. Uh, Brook will likely get fined. Um, it's not that, it's not if, but when. Uh, I don't think he's going to get suspended or anything like that. It would really suck if, if the Bucks brought back Middleton Holiday and Giannis on Saturday. And Lopez that gets suspended. Like that would just be very on par with what's happened with the Bucks. But I don't think I don't think it's gonna go that far. Uh he obviously didn't like whatever Gary Trent was doing. He called him Steven Trent, which is about as disrespectful as you can fucking get, where he didn't even use his actual name. Brooks the man. I fucking love Brooke. Uh he he just is 
one of one and a really integral part to team chemistry and a guy that I don't really think should leave next year. I know he's getting older, but I, there's nothing that I see where I'm like, oh, yeah, Brooke Lopez has lost a step or Brooke Lopez doesn't belong on this roster. Like, get, run it back another four years, 48. I don't care. It actually might be a little too much. That's a little aggressive for Brooke Lopez. What is he, 32? 34, fuck. He's the same age as me. Oh, that's cool. I'm actually older than Brooke Lopez, though. That's sad. Nope, actually take it back. Uh, Brooke was born in April. I was born in August, so Brooke's actually older than me. Uh, that that will score one. Score one for me. That doesn't happen that often anymore. Uh, that's, that's few and far between. All right, so that was Golden Kegs. Let's move on to bracketology. So bracketology, kind of similar to the playoff machine that we did uh, for the NFL. Uh, Every week, we'll kind of take a peek at what the brackets are saying. Um, It's it's kind of that time of year. Uh, We're less than 10 weeks away from Selection Sunday. It will be here before you know it. Um, So it's, it's a good time to peek under the hood. How have you done this in the past and how we will continue to do it is we'll look at just Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm's brackets. Now, Lenardi has been a guy that I think has nailed it in the last couple of years, but everybody looks at Joe Lenardi's brackets. So I can't I can't just separate that. I can't just go, oh, we're gonna go with this random dude that I found on the internet. No, we'll do we'll do the commercial ones, we'll do the national media Murph ones. Uh, we also have uh, Jerry Palm, who I probably rely on a little bit more, uh, who works for CBS Sports. I think that's another one of the premier bracketologists. When we get deeper into this, into the nitty gritty, we will talk about the bracket matrix. Um, and this will also feature Marquette and Wisconsin and kind of talk about the hypothetical situations that these brackets take place. So let's start with Marquette. Uh, Joe Lenardi has them as a four seed playing Marshall um, and Orlando. That game would be fun as fuck. Both teams run up and down the court. Mike D'Antoni's brother coaches Marshall. Marshall has been very successful out of, I believe, the Sun Belt now. They moved from Conference USA. All these mid-major conferences moved. It's wild. Like, the the fact that Belmont is in the Missouri Valley uh, with Murray State, the Ohio Valley Conference is a bunch of teams that you've never heard of. Uh, like, Austin P is still in there. I know that. I think they are. They're in the Atlantic Sun. But you can do a whole thing. Like, Mitch... I think we did that one time on Tabby the Cag where Mitch quizzed me on different conferences. And I, I did all right, but I do think that it would be more of a challenge this year because there's all sorts of movement. I don't think that's going to stop. And that's going to be something that we see on a regular basis. You'll see in the Big 12 next year when BYU, Cincinnati, and I think that's it. Uh, come, oh no, Houston, I also think goes to the Big 12 um, next season, which will be really interesting. And kind of the dynamics of college basketball might change. Big 12 already very good college basketball wise. Uh, they will only get better with those teams. But, anyways, yes, Marquette Marshall will be a ton, would be a ton of fun. It'll be a game that would definitely get a lot of eyeballs casually, as well as the fan base in Orlando, which would be great. Uh, Marquette has a lot of Florida residents, a lot of old time alumni. Also very easy to travel to. Um, I think that would be a great destination for the Golden Eagles. Um, If they were to advance, they would either play Rutgers, Oklahoma, or New Mexico. New Mexico is looking really good. I don't think New Mexico is going to be a 12 seed. Actually, New Mexico will find themselves closer to a 10 or maybe an 11. Uh, They're on my radar as like a sleeper team for sure. I think they'll be a very popular sleeper team. 
Oklahoma is basically Wisconsin at this point. Porter Moser, uh, who runs basically the Loyola stuff, he's got it going, but it's very slow. It's sloggy. Um, I'd feel okay there. Rutgers is scrappy, and and you know they they can always seem to beat teams defensively, but it's again similar to that Wisconsin style that Marquette would have to sort of it'd be it'd be a total style switch up, and it'd be which style probably wins out. And if they were to advance, they would, they are in the wet Midwest region, which would be Kansas City and playing Kansas, which is pretty solid. Again, like, yeah, it sucks to play Kansas and Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas obviously gets that because they are the they are the one seed. But that's not a bad travel, again, for the, for the Marquette faithful who travel really, really well. As for Jerry Palm, he sees it a little bit differently. He has Marquette as a six seed playing either Maryland or USC in Greensboro. Greensboro is probably one of the worst destinations, I think, for Marquette. Like, I, I just do. I, I do not think that is something that you look at and go, oh, yeah, Greensboro. Everybody wants to go to Greensboro. Every you, There's a, a bunch of Marquette contingent in Greensboro. My aunt, who I don't think listens to this podcast, if she did, she'd be pretty mad at me because she is a Greensboro resident uh, for part of the year. So that's that that's another story for another time, but like I, I hope she we hope you're not listening. I'm not trying to slander Greensboro, just saying not a good re- destination for Marquette. They would either play Maryland or USC. Um, both teams right now struggling. USC is kind of starting to pick it up. USC would be the one I'd probably least like to play. Um, even though Kevin Willard did have Shock Smart's number last year, um, it's a totally different team. I don't think you can really put a ton of stock in that. And Maryland has been really really struggling uh, the last few weeks. If they were to win, they play Virginia in round 32 and Tennessee in in the Sweet 16 if the top seed seeded teams won. Man, that would be two games where you'd have to be on your A game. I actually like Marquette a lot better against Tennessee than I do I would Virginia. Um, I they the way that Tennessee does not handle the ball turn they turn the ball over a lot. And I, I think that would play right into what they're doing also Rick Barnes in the in the tournament is a guy who's about as untrustworthy as a wet fart. Like you just cannot trust Rick Barnes in the postseason. Tony Bennett is a you know he's been there. He's won the championship, and this is probably one of the best Virginia teams in a long time. So I don't really want to see Virginia in round two. Um, Reese Beekman, really good player out of Milwaukee, kills me that he is not a Marquette Golden Eagle. Somebody told me, I uh, was like, yeah, Shaka was there a little bit earlier. Beekman's probably there because he's exactly the player that Shaka would want, which tears up my heart. Uh, I, I can't have that. We can't have the Reese Beekman storyline. So, yes, avoid Virginia at all costs. We'll see also what happens with Marquette as they play Providence tonight, uh, the 2003 team back in the building. And they owe Providence for sure. And then they go out to Seton Hall. And now I know they took care of business against Seton Hall at home, playing at the, what's it called? It's not called the Rack. It's called the Rock. Uh, it's because of the Prudential Center. Yeah, I think it's called the Rock. That place is a fucking house of goddamn horrors from our cat. Uh, do not like playing basketball there. Uh, vibes are never, never really that solid. So I, I would like to get the one with Providence. But yeah, that Seton Hall one's not. Not going to be easy on the weekend, but it's one you have to have if you're a ranked team. Moving on to Wisconsin, they, for Lenardi, he has them as a 10, playing St. Mary's in the first round in Sacramento. So obviously an advantage for St. Mary's, 
who is a north kind of northern California team, right? Um, they play a very similar style to Wisconsin. I think that'd be a first to 50 game. I think that'd be a game that you put on at 1150 at night and just bury it, right? No one wants to watch that. Like that's the opposite of Marquette Marshall. Uh, but yeah, it would be a tough one for, for Wisconsin. But I do think because this style you know, fits what the Badgers want to do, I don't think that that's going to give them a hard time. But then they would get UCLA in the, in the round of 32 in Sacramento. That will be uh, not not good. Uh, UCLA, really talented team, very experienced team. Uh, Jaime Jacquez has been there before. Uh, UCLA definitely wants to go out on a high note with all of their veteran talent. I do not see that one ending well for Wisconsin. I think if Wisconsin isn't around that 7-10 line, I think UCLA is one of those teams you want to avoid. If they were to pull off the upset, and they've been known to do that in the past, uh, they would be going to Vegas uh, for the Sweet 16. The other one that they have, uh, Jerry Palm, that is, has Wisconsin playing North Carolina in round one, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, that Again, another brutal travel destination for Badger fans. Badger fans travel everywhere, but Birmingham and Sacramento sound not fun at all, right? I, 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 will, I will also give it, I did. Did do like two days in Sacramento, and I actually had a really good time. I thought Sacramento was nice. Uh, it's not that hard to fly to. Uh, you do Milwaukee to Minnesota, and then you go Minnesota-Sacramento. It's a long trip. It's a long flight. That's really the only problem. So I shouldn't slander Sacramento. I, I know nothing about Birmingham. I, I got offered to work for free for their minor league team. year. No, it was Montgomery, not Birmingham. So fact-checking on that. Anyways, yes, we see Wisconsin, North Carolina. God knows how many times I think North Carolina, uh, as the defending national champs, or no, defending national runner-up, it would be that would be a tough game. That it really would. Baycott, Caleb Love, uh, it, North Carolina has beat Wisconsin in the, last year, uh, so it would be kind of a redo. I doubt the committee would go that route. I'd be really surprised if we would see Wisconsin, North Carolina round one. They would be playing Bama in Birmingham. For round number two, a very, very talented uh, Alabama team. Brandon Miller is an absolute stud. Uh, if you haven't watched Alabama this year, uh, get to know that name. Uh, he's going to be, I think, a top five draft pick when it's all said and done. I think Brandon Miller is as talented as anyone in college basketball. Uh, and he's a really, really solid player. If they were to win, though, they'd go to New York City. And we would know the vibes there. There'd be a little bit of revenge on their mind. From the Chris Chioza moment, I'm not to trigger Badger fans, but yes, they had a nice win tonight, uh, beating Penn State, who was not an easy opponent to beat, and they took care of business. And it was they were down at halftime, big second half for the Badgers as they they kind of get off the losing streak, get Tyler Wall back. They have a tough one at Northwestern on Saturday, so really both Marquette and Wisconsin have sort of games where it's a bitch to play in those arenas. Uh, Welsh Ryan is not an arena that has done Badgers uh, well uh, throughout the last couple of years. So we'll have to see on that. So we'll check in next week, one of the days that we do uh, do the show, and go through the brackets again and see what has changed uh, for both the Golden Eagles and the Badgers. All right, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Mitch Tabby the Keg. I can tell you we are going to talk about Bucks trade deadline options. Uh, we'll also probably do some Brewers. Brewers signed Brian Anderson, not the broadcaster, but the baseball player. So we'll talk about that. Kind of talk a little bit about uh, Mark Ananasio and not putting his foot in his mouth. 
Uh, I know I, I kind of teased that a couple of days ago. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely discuss Brewers. I'm sure we'll find something Packers related to uh, to discuss as well. So enjoy, have a good one, uh, enjoy your Wednesday, and we will talk to you tomorrow. All right, see you guys. Bye.